Good morning, how we doing? It is a wonderful fall day out there, isn't it? Unbelievable. Well, it's great to see you today. We, we are in week two of our series entitled Full Steam Ahead. And today we're going to talk about the what's the use excuse. Right? Have you ever said that? Like, you're going through and it's like, what's the use? Why even bother? This week I was thinking about the Apostle Paul and what he said last week when he said that he doesn't lose heart. It made me think about the futility of life. Which made me think about Solomon and what he said about the futility of things. So Solomon's like the wealthiest dude on the face of the planet. And he learns that affluence doesn't satisfy. And all it did was give him this greater opportunity to chase after the figment of his imagination of what should be. And people tend to run out of money before they reach the what should be, whatever that is in their mind. And so they cling to the myth that things they can't afford will satisfy them. Guess what about Solomon, though? Solomon, like, he never ran out of money. He, he tried everything. Ecclesiastes 2, right? Like, Solomon's like, I, I, whatever I wanted, I, I, I just did. I, I refused no pleasure. I mean, I mean you name it. I, I'd be like at the Seahawks every week, right? That would be my thing. Well, and you can think about, like, what your thing is. Solomon's conclusion you can go to all the Seahawks games you want. When he looked at what he accomplished, all that he had done, all that he had worked so hard to achieve, he, he said everything was meaningless. Uh, chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. My paraphrase of verse 11 of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And then my thought was this. You know what we need? We need a radically different perspective, an opportunity to do something that will make our lives meaningful and not meaningless. So as we continue to focus on these three verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, go ahead and take your Bibles out. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that are built on this phrase, so we do not lose heart. And maybe you're here today, and maybe you feel like your life is futile. Like you're rolling a, a heavy boulder up and down this big hill, like just one after the next. The, the Apostle Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians, certainly could have succumbed to the feeling of futility if he allowed himself to do so. Because he's experienced setback after setback. One disappointing outcome after another. You, you, you know what he did? He remained more confident than ever, more upbeat than ever. How did he do that? Well, last week we saw that he made it a point to renew his heart. Right, He made it a point to renew his spirit. He, he made it a point to renew 
time alone in the word. He made it a point to renew his time just in the presence of the God Almighty. Right? He invested in, in service of others. So, so for Paul, every day he found time for refreshing. Here's the second reason that Paul doesn't lose heart. We're going to look at that today. Because he refused to surrender to futility. Right? He never fell back on what's the use excuse. Every church, every pastor, every leader, every parent, every spouse, right? Every follower of Jesus at some point will face a situation and you can probably justify it like all you want, and it might be even justifiable, and ask yourself, so what's the use? Why bother? Like, why do I put myself through this? I I try and I try and I try, and I just don't get anywhere. And just when I think I've made some progress, right? Just when I get... Up the hill when I'm riding my bike, right? There's another one, right? And, and, and the boulder's at the bottom of the hill yet again. Why bother at all? What's the use? I, I don't know if you ever felt like that. You might be on the verge of losing heart, especially about all, all the things that we've been through over the past few years, and we still have an uphill climb to, to, to ahead, I don't need to spell it out for you. You know what I'm talking about. We are tempted to say, why try anymore? We can't be sure, however, that there's more to life. There's much more, actually. There's much more that can be seen by our, by our limited point of view. And what we need to do is we need to begin to see life from a, an eternal perspective. It's why Paul didn't lose heart. It's why you need not lose heart either. What you're dealing with today may be difficult. I I get I want to downplay difficulty today at all. But guess what? It's not futile. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. So why do we so so, (laughs) that's not what he said. What he actually said was this. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now now listen to this right here. Here, Here's where we're going to camp this morning. For the light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I am here to tell you this morning that regardless of how it may seem sometimes, life is not futile. It is filled with promise, it is filled with hope, it's filled with God's grace and with God's mercy. And when we look at at life through the lens of God's word, that's what we see. So if you happen to be struggling with some of the what's the use excuse in your life this morning, I want to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you to remind yourself to remember as often as you can these three foundational truths of the, of the Christian life. Go ahead and take your note sheets out. You can write these down here in a moment. Foundational truth number one, what I'm dealing with today is nothing compared to what lies ahead. 
right? Our challenge is to get our eyes off our current situation and on the fullness of the inheritance that we have in Christ. When we begin to see clearly the inheritance that awaits us, we can understand that any difficulties that we face today are truly what? Light and momentarily. Or momentary. And when I talk about our inheritance, I hope you know what I'm saying. Let me just lay it out for you here quickly this morning. Our inheritance in a word is heaven, right? We get that. It's the sum total of all that God has promised us in salvation. Our inheritance in Christ is imperishable. What we have in Christ is not subject to corruption or decay. Our inheritance in in Christ is unspoiled. What we have in Christ is free from anything that would be deformed or, or downgraded. What we have in Christ is truly perfect. Our inheritance in Christ is unfading. What we have in Jesus is an enduring possession. The value of our inheritance never depreciates. Right? It's not of this world. The intensity never diminishes. God is saying, what? I'm making everything new. Our inheritance in Christ is reserved. What we have in Christ is being kept in heaven for us. Your crown of glory, it's got your name on it. It's waiting for you. And when we understand the value of that glory that awaits us, we are better able to endure whatever comes our way in life that we have here on this planet. And and actually, we can give God praise, even during the trials. Because we have this guarantee that we receive all that he has promised. Imagine this. I'll, I'll try to illustrate it this way. Just imagine you got this new job. It's like the ultimate job, right? Great pay, full benefits, ideal hours, corner office, view of Spokane River, right? Supportive boss, culture of cooperation with your coworkers, free coffee and donuts, right? It is awesome. Perfect job, except for one thing. Sometimes when you're shuffling the papers at your desk, you, you, you get this, like, paper cut on your fingers. And unfortunately, it happens, like, almost every day. And because of that, you're thinking about quitting your perfect job. You might not know this, but paper cuts are pretty annoying, right? Like, have you ever peeled an orange when you have a paper cut that you don't know about? You know about it real quick, <laughs> right? It starts to sting like crazy, Paper cuts make it difficult to play the guitar, right? They make it difficult to tie your shoes or or write or type or or swipe your cell phone screen. And I'm not overstating my case when I talk about how traumatic paper cuts can be, except for that you know that I am, right? Right, you know that that's an overstatement. It's ridiculous to leave a sweet job over a minor inconvenience. Such a small price to pay for such a great place to work. That's what Paul's saying here. These problems that you're facing right now, they're just a paper cut. 
But they're, they're nothing compared to the fullness of the inheritance that you have in Jesus. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Right? Without a heavenly hope, Paul considered the Christian life to be foolish and appalling. Yet in the light of eternity, living the Christian life is probably the wisest thing. Not probably, it is the wisest thing that anybody could do. So whatever is happening in your life right now, if, if that's all you can see, then yeah, paper cut's pretty annoying. I get it. Probably the worst thing imaginable. But if we would just see beyond the moment and see what God is doing, the future that he has planned for us, the eternity that we will spend with him, the paper cut, flat out meaningless. And that's what our problems are. When I'm talking about God's plan for your future, I'm not only talking about heaven. Yeah, that's primarily, it's about heaven, I get that, but that's where our inheritance is. But I do think that God has blessings in store for you right now. There are victories that he wants you to experience today in this life. The light and momentary troubles we must endure today, mere paper cuts compared to the blessing that God wants to pour out on your family and in your life today. Remember that often. Here's the second point to think about today. What I'm dealing with today is doing more good than harm. Here's what Paul says in verse 17. For the light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Right? In other words, they're working for us and not against us. Right? A good example is the Apostle Paul himself. Right? His dream was to go to Rome and to do ministry there amongst the believers. Right? Guess what? That's not what happens. What happens is he goes to Rome, all right, but he goes to Rome in chains, right? He goes to Rome and he's put in prison. It, it appears like his ministry plans have come to like a screeching halt. Do you know what Paul said? Well, you know, it looks like we got to wave the white flag, right? Call it a day. Is that what he said? Looks like the devil's going to win. No, not even close to that. Look at Philippians 1, verses 12 through 14 with me. It says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard until the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. Well, like most people would say, I'm in prison for preaching the gospel. That's like horrible, right? Not Paul. But Paul's like, I'm good, right? Everybody here is going to know why I'm here. Because when he was in prison, what happened? He, well, he says the gospel is, is advanced. We, we know God's power and his blessing were with Paul while he was in prison. We also know, guess what? The books of Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians all written while Paul was in prison in Rome. 
I, I don't know about you, but I'd say that's a win. I'd say that Paul made good use of his time. Further make the point, when Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery, outside observer might not have ever guessed that God would use that situation to save a nation and bring honor to his people. But that's exactly what he did, right? Later when Joseph and, and his brothers had this chance to kiss and make up, right? And Joseph says to him in, in Genesis 50, verse 20, As for you, you meant it as evil against me, but God meant it for good. Right, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Re remember this, what you're dealing with today isn't happening to you, it's happening what? For you. And it's happening for the benefits of others as well. Because God takes every situation and causes them to work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Have you ever noticed like a good mystery movie or story? Sometimes the author takes the character and the reader off in the wrong direction, and it's a distraction to keep you looking in the wrong place and focused on the wrong thing, right? Like we watch at our house, we watch, don't laugh, but we watch Murder, She Wrote, right? Angela Lansbury, right? Anybody? No? All right, there's like two. Good. <laughs> it's my wife's fault. She's sitting right there. It's fine. Right? The situation that you're dealing with is like that. It only wants you to look at the problem, but not the solution. It wants you to see your sin, but not your salvation. It only wants you to see the wounds and the scars, but not the victory that you have in Jesus. And I'm here to tell you this morning, don't fall for it. See the moment for what it is. God is for you, not against you. Know that and remember that. All right, here's the last point. Number three, what I'm dealing with today is a short-term situation. Here's the reality. The problem won't last, but you will. Right in this verse, Paul uses a couple of terms differently than we might expect. For example, we tend to think of problems as heavy and burdensome, right? Like they just bear down on us. They crush us. And we think of happiness as this fleeting, light, breezy, you know, good thing. But, but look at what Paul says in verse 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He, he says that our problems are light and the glory that's coming is heavy. Like, what does he mean by that? Well, first let's consider the weight of glory. We had a chance this past week to go out and see Halverson's new house, right? And, and so on his countertops, he's got like that quartz stuff, right? And, and so we started talking about granite and how, you know, the quartz is lighter than the granite. And so that made me think this past week. So I looked it up. Do you know what a square cubic foot of granite weighs? It's 175 pounds. It, it is heavy stuff. Most successes in life are here today and gone tomorrow. The inheritance of God, however, is not going anywhere. It is set in stone or granite. We keep the illustration moving here. Right? It is strong and secure. It will never budge. It will always be there. 
What about our problems? They're like a dandelion. Right? You can't build anything with dandelion twigs. It's because dandelions are fragile. Their existence is short-lived. Right? A mere puff of wind, and it makes those little white things go flying all over the place, whatever they're called. Paul's saying, that's your problems today. Or compared to the blessings of God, that's what that looks like. It's the difference between a dandelion and a mountain made out of granite. The granite isn't going anywhere. With one poof, a dandelion is like gone. When a teenage boy named David fought the giant Goliath, Goliath, you know how the story ends. He didn't listen to what his brothers and the rest of the soldiers in the army were telling him. That Goliath was never going to lose, like, like he was like undefeated. No, David said this, 1 Samuel 17, 26. David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And then drop down to verse uh, 45 and 46 of, of 1 Samuel 17. And he says this to Goliath, you came to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The, the God of the armies uh, of Israel, whom you have defiled, and this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and, and, and to the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. Or in Israel, rather, sorry. In, in effect, David was telling Goliath that he was just a dandelion. David was standing on the name of the Lord. Right? It's like poof. See you, Goliath. Done. Every difficulty you face today is a dandelion compared to the power of God. And I know, I get it. I'm not trying to downplay the problems this morning. But even the problems that are most painful and persistent ultimately pale in comparison to God's eternal glory. Remind yourself of that every day. The situation will not last, but you will. See, for believers, for, for Christ followers, God redeems our light and momentary trouble so that we can see them for what they are in, in comparison to what he has prepared for us. Our problems are like paper cuts. They're minor inconveniences. They're a temporary distraction. Rather than focusing on our light and momentary troubles, let's try to focus on all that God wants to accomplish in your life. Let's try to focus on his eternal glory, what he has prepared for us in heaven. And if we can do that, I'm convinced that our problems will become light and momentary. And, and we'll be able to focus on what God has for us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word today. God, you remind us over and over again in your word that you were always with us, that you never forsake us. And then you tell us to, not, not, not to fear, but to draw near to you and to your presence. Because God, you're the only place where we find refuge in the storms of life. You're the only place where we can find peace and strength. 
So, God, we ask you for your words of truth and, and your power to strengthen us. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you know the way that we should go and that you have a plan for our lives. So, God, we look to you today, our Lord and Savior. It, it is your face that we see. We don't want to spend time on our problems, God. We want to spend time seeking you. It's in Jesus' name I pray.